Hello and welcome to another episode of the Auto Trader Podcast. My name is Wandile Sishi. And I am George Mini. And we once again joined uh, to talk about everything and all things cars. How was your weekend, George? Very good. Glad we had a long weekend. I don't know why they have public holidays. Oh, like midweek. In the middle of the freaking week. Well, I mean, it's a set date, so to be fair. June 16 will always be June 16. Can't so. we just make the public holiday laws to say, uh, if it falls on a Thursday, it then becomes a Friday. Like Friday, we do on yeah. a Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So, so Monday Sun- becomes automatically. Automatically yeah. Monday's a holiday. Yeah. So yeah. we, we should have that kind of like, okay, if it's a Wednesday, it's actually a Friday. Um, but what if it's a historic date? Well, fair enough. I mean, I don't know how to solve that problem. I'm just <laughs> kind of like, it's stupid Jay to have Gunn, a holiday yeah. in the middle of the week. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, I mean, well, long weekend's better. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. It helps with tourism. It helps with tourism. It helps with mental, uh, you know, recuperating. And, you know, so I definitely agree with, you know, maybe start a petition and see if we can nah. get the horse changed. <laughs> there's, 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 there's better things to change than the public holidays. I think we've got too many. I'm going to be... Uh, too many know. public holidays? Yeah. Are you speaking as a CEO? Are you speaking as... Like <laughs> it's not good for business, public holidays. It's good for tourism, not good for uh, business. George. George, George, George. Anyways, there was also the, the F1 that happened this week. Um, yeah. And we went to Canada, which was yesterday, actually, yeah. Mm. Um, good race. Good race for us. Um, okay, race for you. Yeah, okay. I, I, you know, I, I just I just feel like the team is letting Leclerc down. Yeah. No, it's, look, he had, he, had a, he had to get a new engine, so he did start at the back, but he did do well to kind of finish P5. Um, he did a stellar job. but uh, so, so it's the way I thought they let him down in that race yeah. was not pitting him under the first virtual safety car. Okay. They should have pitted him. But he's, he was running. Like, I think he was No, he was running, but imagine, imagine what he could have done. Maybe there was a reason. Maybe he would have come, come out in too much traffic or whatever the case may be. But, yeah. but uh, uh, when he got those new medium tires, yeah. when he did eventually pit, look how much faster he was. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But he did have less fuel. I mean, there's so many variables yeah, involved. True. Yeah. Um, but and sure. Hamilton on the podium. Can you freaking believe it? For the second time this season. And we can believe it because it's, we've seen it over a hundred times. So yeah, I think uh, George Russell gave him a get out of jail free card. I don't think so. I think he just <laughs> didn't convert on Saturday. Therefore, <laughs> the man dropped the hammer again. So, you know, it happens. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so, got a super interesting show today. Um, a phenomenon which I think, you know, we've been seeing around. But before getting into that, I think it's important that we address, um, or conclude our three-part saga. Ho- hopefully, we conclude it today. Don't know. Let's see our trilogy. But if you didn't catch the last two weeks, please go back um, on our channel. You'll definitely find it there. But essentially, we were digging into. Yeah, exactly. Stop right now because you need to know the backstory to yeah. this. Okay, let's just stop. Yeah, yeah. Stop right now. Go back. Watch the last two episodes, yeah. and then come watch this yeah, one. Yeah, because um, I think it's definitely yeah. built up, and we didn't know it was going to happen like this, but no. it just did, and. Thank heavens it did, and thank goodness we keep asking. Well, we've learned some stuff now, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But essentially, we basically we came across the point that, in some instances, the 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 brakes of an ice vehicle and an EV car are not necessarily the same price. Um, and then in last week's episode, well, we used the we used the Jaguar as the example, exactly. which wasn't quite fair because it was two different Jaguar. It was the I Pace versus the E-Pace did we use? What no, I think it was, was the that? Range Rover Sport. Ra- oh, sorry, Range Rover Sport. Yes. Which are two totally different vehicles. Yeah. So I don't think it was fair that we compared those two, but it sent us down this… This rabbit hole. This rabbit hole. For sure. And also, we didn't know the technology that underpins it. So more things were needed to be con- taken into consideration before we can 
mm. really have a full understanding of the, of the scenario. So with that being said, you last week asked if we can reach out to our friends at Volvo. Mm. Because they've got identical cars. Because they have an identical ICE and battery electric uh, vehicle, as well as hybrid, but it's not in South Africa, um, where we can actually go and find out what's, what's the... What's the lowdown on this? And we, yeah, I mean, thank you to Volvo. Yeah, they thank really you to our friends at yeah. Volvo. And they did come back. They did come back with, with, you know, exactly what we asked for. So essentially, the XC40 battery electric hybrid as well as the... XC40 ICE. ICE. Yes. All share the exact same platform and share the exact same parts. So on that vehicle or this model, the brake pads are exactly priced the same and it's the exact same parts. That's interesting. So let's do this. I'm going to Google mm. uh, XC40 um, ICE vehicles weight, which mm. is uh, how much does this thing weigh? XC40 ICE. Um could you not find this on the wait? Uh, let me see. I think I have it here. How much does the X XC forty? The assumption there, there though is that the the battery electric the hybrid is going to be a little bit more heavier. Well, I want to see. You, uh, you know, so it. yeah, so so the XC forty um, seems to weigh one thousand six hundred and two kilograms, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the XC40. XC40 plug in hybrid. No, no, sorry. Uh, hybrid, eh? Yeah. Well, let's, let's do the, the full, the full electric, here, yeah. which is the P8, yeah. Uh, XC40 P8 recharge weight. White hate uh, the uh, weight unladen, 2.1 tons. 2.1 tons. So it's about 600 odd kilos more. more. And it's got the exact same brake pads. Yeah. So you're expecting the same brake pads to essentially do the, the same function. That's yeah. what you kind, kind of get. Yeah. You're stopping, you're stopping 600 kilograms. So I'm wondering in a brake test mm. between the XC40 P8 recharge <laughs> and the XC40 ICE, yeah, we should actually happen? do this. We sh- it could be a… Am I sending know. everybody on a… We're going down into a four-part <laughs> Another <part. laughs> four-part series. <laughs> like so if we take the two cars and we go, you know, from say 60 k's an hour yeah. and we jam on the brakes with both… Yeah. Right. See what those are. So whether the XC40 P8 recharge actually takes longer to stop, because my theory would be same brake pads. It would it would stop. It'll it'll take a, a longer, longer longer distance to stop. Well, science will tell you yes. Mm. Um, but that is a very extreme scenario where you're slamming on the brakes. One thing that the XC40 P8 does have is the regenerative braking. Regenerative braking, yes. You know, which maybe then day, helps yeah. even when you slam on brakes. Because when you slam on brakes, the, the regenerative braking still kicks in, right? I have no idea. No, it does. Okay. It does. Okay. It does. It's still there. Because so, I can see it in my eye pace. Even yeah. when I jam on brakes, the, still, the battery's still charging. St- yeah, the battery's still charging. Huh. Well, let's, um, we'll maybe speak to our friends at Volvo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, if <we> can <laughs> see if we can set it up. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So what did you find? So I, I went, I, I, you know, I think it's important that we take things further. And I went to go and look at one of the premier, um, brake pad manufacturers in, in the world, Ferodo. So they have an interesting product called the Ferodo Eco Friction. Now Ferodo has been for decades been like a premium brake pad. Yes. Yeah. You know, and one of the most widely used original um, equipment, equipment brake pads. Or brake pads, yeah, yeah. Um, that you can get. So they have a product called the Eco Friction, which was developed over, the, you know, I think it's yes. been about five years to kind of develop this thing. And the the sole 
purpose was of them developing this is they realized that an EV and an ICE, two different applications in terms of how the, um, you know, how, how it functions uh, and all the, how uh, heavy the car interact. is. Yeah. yeah. And the, the basis being weight. Um, so they developed this completely fresh new parts and according to their website, it covers about 95% of all electric car uh, manufacturers right now. Oh, so they make brake pads for most of the OEMs. Most of the OEMs. Okay. Except Important Volvo. Notion, Volvo is not noted. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going down this line, right? Um, but they do. Jaguar is uh, noted here. So we used the Jaguar in the first episode yes. as kind of the contextual vehicle and we saw that why is it so much more expensive? It could be that. Well, it wasn't we really so know. much more expensive because we were using two diff- totally different cars. Totally different cars. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't to fair. Be fair. But, you know, this could be one of the, the factors. The technology in the iPace, for instance, may just be. Well, no, it definitely is the case now because if Ferodo has now specifically engineered a brake pad yeah. for uh, electric. electric vehicles, yes. right? Including Jaguar. Including Jaguar, which means that there is a difference in the technology. Yes. Because otherwise it wouldn't be. But I don't know if it's, I don't want to just say it definitely, because I don't know if it, the iPace is included in that. But it's, it's, you know. Well, Jaguar's on the list. <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's there. Yeah. But. I mean, you, you know. can't tell me that they would put, uh, Ferodo into the, uh, Jaguar SVR yeah. and not into the iPace. Yeah. Cause this is specific for electric vehicles. So. It's safe to assume. I would amuse. I would assume so. I would yes. assume so. But it does tell me that, uh, uh, you know, when, when companies de- design and develop new products, right? Yeah. There's a lot of money that goes into, into that process. Yeah. And they've yeah. got to recoup that. For sure. So as a capitalist, you, you know, you can't, you can't, you, you know, demand and supply will drive the price, of, of course. Mm. But at the, on the, at the outset, usually things are slightly more expensive because you've got to recover that research and development. Ultimately, the consumer does pay less in terms of the, barrier to entry so the actual you know sticker value of the vehicle um, but they'll then subsidize that later on with things like no no I'm saying it's, it's it's out of the starting gates the brake pads will be more expensive yeah. if they are specifically designed oh, yes. for, for an sure. EV for sure and that R&D would have to be recovered they probably see for this sure. as a separate division for Odo for sure for sure no uh, I mean it's a whole new product yes yeah, this equal friction um, and you know on top of that it's also like environmentally friendly all those sort of things but Ultimately, in terms of function, specific for handling the weight of an EV. And I think that is almost the, the end of our... No, no, XC, XC, XC40, XC40 <laughs> challenge. The stop, oh, yeah. let's, do, let's call it the stop challenge. Let's do the, let's do the, the yeah. The stop let's challenge. The stop challenge and see what the results are there. Yeah, if we yeah. can. If we can get Volvo to, uh, to agree to, to, to helping us, you know, prove. Yeah. What's uh, this, what's does the regen... So that's an interesting point. Does the regenerative braking actually slow the car down uh, faster... Than if you jam on brakes in an ice vehicle, because an ice vehicle, you would have to actually put it into a lower gear mm. and drop the clutch and brake, which is like that process is, and and especially with with, with cars now not being manual, mm-hmm. does the engine braking uh, have the same effect as the regenerative braking? Mm. Um, Let's find out. Be interested to find out. Moving on, so there's this new phenomenon. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called bad news. I don't know if it's a new phenomenon or an old phenomenon. It's a, I mean, it's an old phenomenon. It's been around for for as long as car manufacturers have been around. I think, um, well, as long as car manufacturers have owned other car manufacturers, I think it's been a thing. Um, but it's called badge engineering. Um, and essentially, this is what happens in the industry when essentially, um, car manufacturers are trying to segment um their vehicles into different 
parts of the market. Sometimes you can do that through a subsidiary. Sometimes you can do it through ownership of another manufacturer. There's, there's different scenarios in which you can do this. Um, and the main thing about this is, well, the main purpose is that you don't have to go and design two different products. Specifically, if you do own another car manufacturer, one. Well, I mean, didn't didn't Nissan and Datsun do that? Because they became one company. They became Nissan, right? Yeah. But for a while, they were manufacturing the Datsun. That's two different vehicles. Yeah. Two with different vehicles, but the, the same uh, with the with the same platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, and then Ford and Mazda did that too. Yes, there's there's a few examples yeah. that we you know in history that we can go down to. But now it's becoming a little more blatant, and I think a lot of consumers, most importantly, are getting a lot more wiser with regards to. Hold on, I'm buying this vehicle here, but I could have gotten this one for either cheaper, um, or I couldn't gotten this one. You know, whatever the circumstances are, but essentially I could have gotten an alternative which gave me the exact same thing. Well, yes and no, because, like for instance. Um, what are two vehicles that uh, uh, that 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 come to mind? Yeah. Um, so, so the most I think the most um, popular one right now in South Africa specifically is the the Toyota Starlet mm-hmm. and the Suzuki Bellino. Are they identical inside? Um, I think there's there's slight changes, but ultimately it's it's the exact same vehicle, both in the same factory, same sort of interior. I, I would parts. I would imagine that the interior is 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 quite different. I don't think it is. You don't I think, think it is? I think it's almost identical. Yeah. Um, and that's where the problem is. And in terms of sales numbers, b- there's a, a big difference. Because design, design plays a big part in pricing, right? Yes. Do, and it's not down to, so, you know, I don't believe the, I don't believe the input costs are the only thing that drives the ultimate selling price of a product. Well, here's where, uh, look, I'm a marketer through and through, and I believe in the power of marketing in terms of getting that price premium. And for instance, a Toyota, just by definition, it has a very, very strong perception of being, you know, reliable. In this instance, is the Toyota more expensive? Um, I believe it is a little bit more expensive than the Bellino. And that's, you know, that's where the, for the consumer, where it becomes a bit of a, hey, you know, I could actually make a saving by going for the Suzuki <laughs> in that scenario. Um, and that's where the challenge is. But, but. Well, right, so, the, so the Toyota, a Starlet price. Mm. Um, um, you know, is entry level two hundred twenty six thousand two hundred, right? Yeah. And the Suzuki, Beleno. Suzuki Beleno. So two twenty six versus it's the same price two twenty two twenty five for nine hundred. Mm. Pretty much the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So so there they've kind of there, there's there shouldn't be an issue there. It just depends on which badge you want which to drive. Which badge you want to, you kind of prefer. Yeah. Yes. You know, so if the interiors are identical, well, great. The prices are the same anyway. Yeah. So why do manufacturers do this? Essentially, look, it's cheaper to just borrow a successful design. Borrow. Well. Use. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> borrow use. means you've got to give back. <laughs> okay, use a successful design. Um, and look, it's going to save them a lot more costs. And consumers ultimately are always still winning. Because you do have choice and you can choose which one you prefer. Okay, so let me put it to you this way. You're a BMW person, right? Yes. So if BMW and VW owned each other. Okay. One, one way or the other, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, and suddenly um, you were driving a VW with a BMW badge. Okay. Okay. Uh, or, or, or a BMW with VW, uh, uh, a VW with a BMW badge. Would I have a problem with the fact that… The and the price is the same. But yeah, the I'll VW look looks like the BMW. Look, I yeah, well that's that's when it goes down to brand preference. Mm. And I think I'll only have an issue if I'm 
if somebody tells me that the VW is like being used, yeah, or better, or like, then I'd be like, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that, it's all about, about perception. It right? is definitely, um, but you know, that's kind of. Let's talk about if we're speaking on that exact the Supra, the Toyota Supra, is was I think the engine was developed by by BMW and and sent to Toyota and they kind of tweaked it and, and tuned it the way they wanted to, but the interior is very much like a BMW. Yeah, and I love that car, despite it being <laughs> because the insides of the no, insides of BMW. <laughs> no, I think it's 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 a, it's the best best of both worlds. Uh, the Supra works in that scenario where we sharing technology and we sharing knowledge, mm. um, and we're developing something that's. It's got kind of the guts of both, but it's something that's special now. Whereas in this scenario, no, it's the same thing in two different. Vehicles. But there's a, there's a there's a car that that currently is on the road. Uh, um, it is the Subaru. Uh, what is it? What's the car called? Um, and a Toyota. I think it's a Toyota and a Subaru, um, which are. Which which look almost identical. Yeah. Um, it could be the the same scenario, yeah, that we see. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so so you know, do you do you drive do you do you drive the Subaru, mm. or do you drive the Toyota when they look almost identical? Well, let's talk about if you're a consumer, what are the implications of this? If you do buy a vehicle which is being rebadged as something else by another manufacturer, something's consume uh, something's consider is. Is the pricing of the parts, for instance, going back to the brake situations at the same price? In terms of your support, are you going to get the same support from this brand versus another one? There's different nuances with regards to ownership of this now model that's being shared by two OEMs, which, you know, is worth definitely looking and, and kind of investigating for, for yourself. Well, I mean, I think platform sharing is a good thing because it lowers the cost of manufacture. Yes. I think the difference, the difference occurs when you have uh like the car's aesthetics and function mm. identical so mm. for instance the dash is exactly the same the seats are exactly the same the the the, the braking systems are exactly the same you know so so the platform is one thing and the and the, and the body is one thing but you know, because they'll all have save money with crumple zones yeah, and exactly. crash testing and all that stuff mm. but then you kind of layer that with the design Around the car, but that's platform sharing. That's that's the second instance where you have platform sharing. So the X Class and the Navara, for instance, mm. where it was same platform, but the experience and the, the interior Are and different. the entertainment and that all I think is fine. I think that's perfectly fine. And if you have the other scenario yes. where they actually look identical aesthetically, yeah, well then the price points, I think, like the Toyota and the um, Suzuki, yeah are the same and then it it's just the a same. preference in, from a consumer point of view yeah. I don't see any problem with this no, you know not. journalists can moan as much as they want yeah. but the manufacturers have got it right the Toyota and the uh, Suzuki's price points are the same additionally I think it brings down the cost of the consumer ultimately because now yes. the consumer is getting the same sort of product let's say you like Suzuki but you want a Toyota product uh, or experience or the reliability or the reliability you kind of get the same at, at a much Less price for Toyota consumers as well as Suzuki yes. um, consumers. So everyone else really wins here in terms of. Well, the volume kind of makes the market uh, a better place to be in. It is good to note that um, it sometimes does not work in some markets. Well. Uh, one will do extensively better than the other one, just from a perception point of view or 
you know, so it doesn't always work. Well, then, well, then you haven't really you done. Lose. You didn't lose. You didn't yeah. like have any R and D in creating exactly. a new car. Yeah, you just with retract the 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 Suzuki from the market, and you know Toyota works. So you retract the Toyota because you know the Suzuki's working. Yeah, you haven't lost anything. Yeah, but I can't understand why people are like, it's lazy and like. It's not lazy. I don't <laughs> think it's lazy. When 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 Suzuki has built a brand, <laughs> yeah. right? Like they have. Yeah. And Toyota decides, well, you know what? You know, it's uh, uh let's share platforms here. Mm. Um and as long as the quality standards are up there mm. and the price point's the same, mm. it's not lazy. It's mm. clever marketing. Yeah. Just don't give me a different don't say BMW versus VW. <laughs> Make sure that the experience is the same across both and make sure that premium, that brand premium um, is not significantly big. Um, this is excluding obviously the after sales services and yeah. the customer experience that you get from one brand versus another. But other than that, you know, fair is fair. And if, if you're honest about it, then I think no one will be completely angry huh. with you. Moving on. So it's been a while since I've asked you a question from Ask Auto Trader. So I found an interesting one, which I hope you could help me get to the bottom of. But essentially, Kasim, if you call out Kasim, um, asked, what should I do when I find out the vehicle I bought is seven years older than advertised? So this gentleman bought this vehicle and it was advertised as a 2007 model car. Um, they sent it back to the dealership because they were experiencing some, some issues with it after they bought it. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on here? Um, and essentially, he sent it back to the manufacturer who came back to him and told him that this car is actually a 2000, a 2000 model and not actually a 2007 model. Um, and when he asked for the paperwork, he got some of the paperwork and he just was unsure if it was authentic. Um, but from the manufacturer, it was confirmed already that it was old. What does he do in that scenario? Well, I mean, it, it, so, so we've got to take one thing into account here. The one, the, the and, and that is year of manufacture mm-hmm. versus year of first registration. Mm. There can be a difference. Yes. Okay. So I buy a 2022 car. Doesn't mean it was. In November or December, yes. but it's only registered. In January. In January. Yeah. Right. Or I go into the dealership and this thing is standing on the floor. It's brand new. Mm. Year of manufacture is last year mm. or even the year before. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's for your first registration is two years later, right? Mm-hmm. Now those those instances can occur. They don't occur very often, mm-hmm. but they can occur. I would imagine that seven years is a little bit of a long it's window. Kind of a stretch, yeah. It's a very, very yeah. It's just it's a stretch to believe that a car would stand brand new unless mm-hmm. it's bubble wrapped or something. Um, and its first year of registration is two thousand and seven, yeah. right? So the first thing I would do if I was a consumer is check year of manufacture. Yeah, and year of first registration. Okay, right, because you could you could pick up something there. Yeah, right, and uh, and 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 I think the cons- the, con- the consumer and you we we keep saying do your research, do your research, do your research. Mm. Unfortunately, you missed this. Yeah, because you didn't do your research properly. Right now, it could be that the dealer that sold it fraudulently misrepresented it. Okay, and I would have to, you know, look at the the ads, which we're not going to do, you know, in 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 this particular um, uh, 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 show because you know we don't have access to what the ad actually looked like and yes. what the scenario was. So do, yes. we don't know. We don't know all the details. We don't know all the details. So 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 did the dealer fraudulently misrepresent the car? Because then there could be possible fraud at play there. Okay, okay? but 
the chances of that are also low. Um, you know, uh, uh, but it could happen. It yeah. could happen. You don't know, right? Yeah. So the, the best way to kind of approach this is really to go to the ombudsman mm-hmm. and to go and like they, they're a good middle, uh, mediator, arbitrator, you know, yeah. kind of somebody that will, will look at the case. Mm. You know, don't think the ombudsman is just there for the, the side of the consumer. The ombudsman is there on the side of the right. Mm. Mm. They're not mm. there. Like they're not going to take a, a, a rubbish story and just kind of like make the consumer right necessarily. Yeah. They're going to look for the detail and they're going to look for, you know, what was the actual scenario here. So I would go to the ombudsman and, 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 and lodge a claim against the, against the seller. Yeah. Right. Then the truth will begin to surface. Yeah. And then you can figure out where, you know, where this went, all went wrong. Um, you know, so that's what I would do. You know, I mean, ultimately, I suppose you could chat to a lawyer. Yeah. But that's kind of spending money before you real, really find out the underlying uh, scenario. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far initially. How, how would uh, one avoid this scenario altogether at the very beginning? Uh, find out year sure of manufacture. Yeah. Ask for the, Proof of, you know, when was this car made? Mm. When was it imported? Like, you, there has to be documentation around that car and when it was made and when it was imported, or either or, um, and then your first year registration. Sometimes there's a there's a there's a subtle difference. difference. Yeah, yeah. That's basically all the time we have for. Thank you so much, George, for another episode. Go Leclerc. <laughs>